0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, the sower is throwing his seed all over the place, and it's flying everywhere. It's on the road, it's in the rocks, it's in the thorns, and it's on the good ground. And that's Jesus with His Word. And He's teaching us He's teaching us that the most important thing that we need to know about in this world is His Word. And He teaches us that the most important thing that we need to know about His Word is that it and it alone brings life. Without the Word there, without the seed, it could be the greatest soil in all of the world. And it could be the most wonderful rain, and the perfect weather. But it would there would be no growth at all. There would only be death, not life, no fruit, no nothing. The Word is everything. So apart from the Word, apart from the Word preached, the Word read, the Word studied, there is no promise. And there is no Jesus, and there is no gospel, and there is no salvation. The Word alone brings these things to us. We often in the church speak of the attributes of the Scriptures. This is what we're messing around with a little bit in Bible classes. We compare the differences between the different churches and comparing how they look at the different attributes of the Scriptures. And it's good to have a review of these, because we, but we want to get to the most important one. But the first is inspiration. The Scriptures are God-breathed. They're inspired by God. And all the other attributes of the Scriptures are related to this. The Scriptures are inerrant. And they're infallible. That is, they do not err and they cannot err. The Scriptures are clear. It doesn't mean that the Bible is easy to understand. You read it on one shot and you got it and you understand everything in there. But it does mean that the, that the Scripture interprets the Scripture and that the meaning is there to be had. You don't need someone to unlock the secrets of the Bible. It's there for you. It's clear. And the Scriptures are sufficient. Which means that the Scriptures contain all that we need for life and salvation. But the attribute that Jesus puts before us in this text today is that the Scriptures are efficacious. That they are powerful. That they bring forth life. That unlike, unlike man's word, which is descriptive, God's word is powerful and creative. Like a seed from which life springs. There's a seventh attribute, by the way, of the Scriptures, which I made up. (laughs) You won't find it in a theology textbook. But after watching people for a while, and I've told you guys this before, after watching people who believe that the Bible is inspired and inerrant and infallible and clear and sufficient and efficacious, but then seeing also that they never read it, I thought that there's something that's got to be missing there, and that is the awesomeness of the Scriptures. And perhaps this is one of the most important ones for us as Christians, to know that the, that the Lord's Word is good, that the Lord's Word is wonderful, and that there is delight in hearing it and in reading it and in studying it. The Scriptures are awesome. But with the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus is teaching us that the Scriptures are efficacious. And here's a few other Bible passages to get the idea in our heads. This is Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and following. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel... That is the good news, the promise of salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Or later in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, or by the word of Christ. This then is what we do here each week. We gather here in this place to hear the word. And in this hearing of the Word, the Holy Spirit gives us faith and strengthens our faith and keeps us in the faith and the promises of God. And the Holy Spirit, rest assured, has done this work in you. It's why you're here. And He is doing this work in you even right now. And this is a fantastic comfort to us that the Lord has looked upon us in our misery and our sin and our dying and he sent forth his word to us to give us life life which we now have. But Jesus speaks this parable and he speaks it to those who have the word and he does it to warn us to impress upon us a certain conviction. That the word which you now have, the word that is in your heart, that word has enemies. The first enemy is the devil. Like a bird snatching up seed off the path, the devil comes along and drags the word out of your heart. Remember, when we're learning the scriptures, it's not like... Uh, It's not like learning history or algebra where we fight against our own ignorance and our own laziness. When we're learning the scriptures, we're fighting against the devil himself. The Lord's word is opposed by the devil and by his hordes of demons. And we know this, that the devil, the thing that the devil wants most of all is to take God's word from you. We need to know this. It's why Jesus is giving us the parable, that we know that the devil is trying to take God's word. That's his strategy. He wants to separate you from Jesus and from his promises. And everything that the devil has, all of his resources are directed towards this end, that he would pluck the word out of your heart, that he would pull out God's promises. This is the simplicity of his strategy, and it is and it is not a joke. The Bible speaks of, when it talks about this kind of thing, it talks about spiritual warfare. And that that word is chosen carefully, warfare. This is not a game. The demons are out for blood. The devil says Jesus comes to steal and kill and destroy. He wants your soul and your body with it. And he wants those to be with him in eternal agony. And so... And so, to do that, to accomplish that end, he has one simple goal, to steal away the word. So we do well to remember texts like Ephesians 6, where Paul teaches about the armor of God. Uh, he, He addresses you, dear saint, as a soldier, as one who is in a desperate battle and who needs protection. Put on, he says, therefore, the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the readiness to spread the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, remember, which is able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the devil, and the sword of all things, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So that you see the very thing that the devil is trying to take from you is the very thing that we use against him, God's word. You are in a desperate battle. And your life is at stake? The devil is snatching the word. But this is only the first enemy. There's a second enemy that Jesus warns us about. And this enemy is trouble. Like the seed that falls among the rocks. And, and it grows up quickly, but it doesn't have enough root. So the sun comes out and in the heat of the day, uh, the, 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 the plant withers and dies so is the christian who hears the lord's word and has faith in the word but the troubles of this life come along and challenge they strike at our faith and they beat down our trust in the lord's word you've seen this happen by the way especially this past year but your whole life as soon as some tragedy unfolds you know a shooting down the street or a national calamity whatever Kind of terrible things happens. As soon as the dust clears from the strategy, then the questions come. The temptation comes. Where was God? How can God be good and this nonsense happen? And this doesn't just happen in national tragedies. I've been there countless times. When when a trip to the hospital brings about this kind of crisis of faith, Pastor, why is this? Why is God letting this happen to me? Or why is God letting this happen to my mother or my father or my friend? There's something about the troubles of this life that tempt us, and they tempt us to think that God is far away. There's some sort of little Buddhist theologian that sits in our sinful flesh and, and keeps telling us that, that God keeps suffering at an arm's length. The cross of Jesus should teach us to know better. And this is a terrible sort of thing. There's a false doctrine that rattles around in the church and it rattles around even in our own minds and our own hearts that says something like this. The Christian life will have less suffering than the life of the unbeliever. If I'm a Christian, we think, things will go better for me. Even though Jesus, time after time, promises his Christians trouble. And even though we know that suffering... Is a mark of our Christian life, even though we know that being a Christian marks us as the devil's target. Take up your lazy boy and follow me is not what Jesus said. Here's a comparison. I heard this a while back. I probably preached it to you before, but imagine, imagine that you're on an airplane and that this plane is going to crash. The flight attendant comes to you and gives you a parachute and says, put this on, we're going to crash. Your only chance to come out of this mess alive is in this parachute. So you strap that guy on and you tighten the clasps and you hold on to that parachute because your life depends on it. She comes by again and offers you peanuts and snack and you're not even interested. you got this parachute And every time the plane bumps and rattles, you check your straps and you tighten your cords. Now it was different if you were sitting in first class. To them, the steward, sorry, the flight attendant came and gave the parachute and said, "Here's the parachute. It'll make your flight much more comfortable. It'll make this flight so much better." And now this parachute is nothing more than an annoyance. You have to sit hunched over in your chair and you can barely read and drink your mimosa at the same time. And every time now the plane rattles and bumps, you get more annoyed with this parachute. You start to loosen the straps. You start to curse the flight attendant who gave it to you. And finally, finally you take the thing off and you put it under the seat in front of you and you die in the crash. Jesus... And His promises are not to make this life better. It's not to make every day a Friday. It's not somehow to lift us out of the troubles of this life. We're going down. And Jesus comes to save us. When troubles come and pull us over, we tighten the straps. We pray. We sink our roots into His Word. And we trust His goodness in the face of every evil. So that the troubles of this life bring us closer to the Lord and His promises rather than far away. The third enemy of the word, Jesus says, is the pleasures of this life. Which is like the seed that fell among the thorns and the weeds and grows for a while, but the weeds outgrow it and they choke out the light and the plant dies. We might be tempted to think that if, if troubles are so bad on this side of things, and if troubles are such a challenge to our faith, then it would be safe to be on the opposite side and to have the pleasures of this life. But that is also a danger, to be on the everything's going great side of things. It's also an attack on the Lord's word. It also is a temptation, Jesus says. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. So there is a very real danger of valuing the things and experiences of this life more than we value the Lord's Word, and of desiring the things and the experiences of this life more than we desire the Lord's Word. Here's the proverb. Proverbs 8, chapter 10. Take my instruction, wisdom says, this is Jesus talking, take my instruction instead of silver, And knowledge, rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Or in the psalm, this is Psalm 19, verse 10, more to be desired are they, that is the Lord's words, than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey dripping from the honeycomb. We are to value and to desire the Lord's Word as the most precious thing in the world and desire and value His gifts more than everything else. But we don't. Here's an experiment. Uh, Think along with me. If we were to build a booth by the door of church, we'll man the booth every morning. When you come to church on Sunday morning, you have two options. You can either come into church and hear the Lord's Word and, sing the Lord's Word and listen to the sermon and receive the Lord's Supper. That's your first option. Or you could walk up to the booth and get a $100 bill and skip straight to snacks. <laughs> so you have the option. And you, and you see what Jesus is talking about. Right? And that is a tempting option. And it is because all of us desire the things of this life, and they tempt us, they confuse us, they they tempt us to think that there's some sort of value that they have more than the most precious thing in all of the world, which is God's Word. So, dear saints, you are warned, which is what Jesus intends. That's why Jesus spoke to you this parable. You are warned that God's word, which is now in your heart, is threatened on every side. You are warned that His word, which is now giving you life, has enemies, the devil, and the troubles of this life, and the pleasures of this life, which are all striking at the word that Jesus has put there. You, dear saints... you have enemies but you also have a friend you also have a savior you have Jesus and Jesus has you Jesus continues through the very word that the devil is trying to take away, Jesus continues to beat back the devil and to, remember Romans 16, and to put him under your feet. Jesus is with you in the midst of all of your trouble and all of your suffering and all of the anguish of this life. Jesus is with you with his promise that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he will always abide with you and he will comfort you with his promise that he loves you. And Jesus is the source of every good gift that you have. Every gift of life and every gift of life eternal that you now treasure comes from Him. You have the Word. And rejoice because Jesus, who is the Word of God, also has you. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.